All right, and welcome back to another episode of Does It Hold Up? I'm here with our contestant, Emily, and she is one question away from winning 20 million rupees. Yay. How do you feel about that? It's exciting as always. All right, your final question is, what movie are we covering today? Is it A, The Departed, B, Slumdog Millionaire, C, the Devil Wears Prada, or D, The Princess Diaries. Well, it can't be The Departed, since that's not streaming anywhere. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Slumdog Millionaire. Is final that your, answer. That's your final answer. Final All right, answer. Let's lock it in. And you are correct. Yes. Woo! That's right. We're covering Slumdog Millionaire today. Professors, doctors, lawyers... General knowledge ballers never get beyond 16,000 rupees. He's on 10 million. What the hell can a slum dog possibly know? I knew the answers. All right. 2008 is when this movie came out. It seems like it was just yesterday, but also A really? lifetime ago? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's insane, but it came out December 25th, 2008. Christmas movie. Doesn't feel like a Christmas movie. No, nothing about it feels like a Christmas movie. <laughs> Not even slightly. But I remember watching this movie for the first time, but this was your first time watching this I was going to say, movie. I also remember my first time watching it. <laughs> it. It was yesterday. Yeah, okay, for this pod. Got yes. it. Um, all right, give me some initial thoughts. It, it, it's so far removed that you probably don't remember the hype around this movie, but I'm sure you at least had known about it I, prior to this. I knew the name of this movie. I honestly, I, I keep kept getting this mixed up with um, Million Dollar Baby, I think. And can, so those two just no. always exi like existed in the same realm for me. So I did not know what this movie was about. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not even remotely close to a similar movie. No. Yes, they, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to explain why you They both have confused. millionaire, like million in the name, so. No, they don't. Well, yeah, they do. Slumdog millionaire. Million, million dollar, dollar baby. baby. I, I guess. Good. That's a stretch. I know. Uh, <laughs> I so saw, for some reason, it's always just that boxing movie. I saw this movie about a week before the 2009 Oscars because... I had heard the hype, everybody was talking about it, and I was like, I gotta let it die down a little bit. I'm one of those people, like, if I don't see a movie right away, and then there's a ton of hype for it, I'll wait until that all calms down before I see it, because I don't want it to skew what I actually think about the movie. Yeah. So, like, I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I was like, oh, you know what, I gotta watch it. The Oscars are coming up, I'm gonna watch the Oscars, I might as well check it out. You know, everybody still is talking about it. And it's it's probably not going to die down anytime soon. So I checked it out and I was like, okay, I get it. I understand why people are talking about this movie. It was a really different kind of movie. Not one that you normally see getting nominated for a bunch of awards for it to catch the zeitgeist the way that it did. That's more reserved for, as you can tell in modern movies, it's the superhero movies. You know, it's the big budget, huge spectacle avatars and stuff not this 
this doesn't do that. I when I was I was looking up the Oscars because I I knew that it got Best Picture because that's kind of what we're going for. Uh, yeah, with the Oscars right around the corner, we figured let's knock out some Oscar movies. Yeah, so I knew it had won at least that. I did not know how prolific it was at the Oscars, and this watch it after watching it, I'm like, where is that Oscars? Where did they go? Yeah. Why don't they do that now? Yeah. <laughs> Well, they did a couple of years ago with Parasite. That's it kind true. of it came in really heavy, but yeah, it's a it's a way different time now than it was back then. But you know, since we're talking about it, let's let's go ahead and get into it. This movie was nominated for ten Academy Awards, ten. Uh, the next year, Avatar was nominated for I believe eleven. So this is almost on that same plane of a movie that we consider like the biggest triumphant filmmaking ever almost crazy yeah but here's the ones that it was nominated for it was nominated for best picture best director adapted screenplay cinematography editing original score original song for uh jai ho and sound mixing it was also nominated for another original song called osaya and also sound editing which is different than sound mixing those were all the nominations. The only two that it did not win was original song for Osaya and sound editing. He well, it home. was never going to win all of them since two of them were the, for the same category. Well, yeah, you can't <laughs> win two original songs. But eight wins. It's unheard of. Looking at this list, it makes me realize why I knew the song Jaiho. <laughs> everyone must have been playing that song it was everywhere because having never watched this movie i knew that song what's crazy though is that song doesn't appear until like the end of the movie the, credits. the end credits yeah yeah it's their little dance sequence at the end which they just threw in uh for reasons yeah, you um, know set in india let's kind of talk about these <laughs> real quick so it won best picture which is the reason why we're covering it and i think rightfully so I don't remember a lot of the movies that were it was up against, but this one made an impact. It stood test of time. I mean, you had other things in 08 like Iron Man or uh, The Dark Knight, but those weren't Oscar movies. Those are the ones that stood the test of time, but they weren't they weren't going to win awards, unfortunately. Uh, Best director for Danny Boyle, who did Train Spotting, Twenty Eight Days Later movies you've never heard of <laughs> right am i right i've heard those oh you have yeah okay well yeah interesting um and he won uh i don't know if this is the movie he should have won for i think i would have gave it for train spotting if i was going to give him one but that's okay adapted screenplay because this was based on a book called q a mm -hmm. don't know if you knew that i um, saw that uh in the movie it shows it Oh, right, right at the end it does. Mm -hmm. um, cinematography. The movie's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And not Hollywood gorgeous. It's like real world gorgeous. It's definitely unique. <laughs> I'm going to give it that. <laughs> okay. Uh, editing. I know that's something we're going to have to get into a lot later. You weren't a huge fan of it. Yeah. But apparently everybody else was. Original score, music's beautiful. Original song for Jai Ho, it, it was everywhere. 
Rightfully so. Yeah. It's a good song. And then sound mixing. Now, do you know sound mixing versus sound editing? I feel like this one is a really hard one. That's why the Oscars got rid of it. They just do best sound now. It's like everything all-encompassing of sound. Mm-hmm. Because I think people just used to get confused. I honestly, you've explained it to me like three different times, and I still could not tell you the difference. Yeah. Which is really sad. <laughs> so sound editing is more where the sounds are going to be placed, how the sounds are going to be created, how they're added to the film, where mixing is making sure that they are at the levels they need to be, that they work where they need to work, mm. you know, and, and get that emotion pulled out. So sound editing, placing them in, sound mixing them, blending, put it, getting them set into the movie. Does that make sense? Still is confusing. It, it is. It's very confusing. I'm so <laughs> glad that they just got rid of it and were like... Best sound. Best sound. It's all that matters. Yeah. And it, stupid action movies. Action movies always bother me when it comes to sound because they'll sit there and they'll go, Hey, did you know that this is gonna... And you're like, oh my god. I I just hold the no. remote in my hand and I'm just like, up, down, up, down, up, down. I can't deal I, with it. I will admit I had to do that a few times in this movie. Yeah. Well, that's because I think they were supposed to be whispering at certain times or, or keeping it quiet. Yeah. But yeah, and that's impressive for a movie that had a very low budget and wasn't really expected to do much. In fact, this was meant to be a straight-to-DVD it was never meant to get a theatrical release, but audiences kind of warmed up to it, and screen test audiences were like, hey, we like this. Probably put this out there for the general public. And they changed their minds last minute, and they put it out, and the rest is history. All right. What does Sir Roger Ebert, he's not a sir, but, you know, just it felt right. Uh, what does Ebert have to say about this? He gave it four stars. Of course. Of course he did. And the uh, quotes I grabbed from him were, This is a breathless, exciting story, heartbreaking and exhilarating at the same time, about a Mumbai orphan who rises from rags to riches on the strength of his lively intelligence. The film uses dazzling cinematography, breathless editing, driving music, and headlong momentum to explode with narrative force, stirring in a romance at the same time. Yeah, he, I, he nailed was it. Very descriptive when talking yeah. about this movie. The fact that he used breathless twice. I, it trust me, I, I held my breathless. breath a few times watching this movie. I completely understand that. Well, I under I definitely get the breathless editing bit. You never got never stops. It never stops. Okay, what what else you got? I have uh, the current scores. Yep. So Rotten Tomato critics have it at a ninety-one percent. Pretty dang good. Yep. Not only that, but the Rotten Tomato uh, audience score has it at a 90%. They are pretty even. Yeah, that's... Usually I... you see some kind of separation, but to be, mm -hmm. like, right on top of each other. And, uh... In the A's, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's good. That's oh, yeah. Good. Do I agree? I don't know. You're gonna have to stick around to the end of the episode we'll to find, find out. out. Maybe I'll rate it at the end. Ooh. Give it a percentage. Uh, I probably won't because I'll forget by the time I, we get there. I feel like I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, if you remember because I won't. All right. Um, so let's talk box office real quick and then we'll get into this movie. Mm -hmm. The budget was $14 million. That's a low budget for an Oscar winning film. Yeah. And for a movie that like wasn't supposed to do anything 
obviously. They didn't spend money on it. They were like, just whatever. Put it on DVD so we can get our money back. But this movie went on to make $141,330,703 domestically. Dang. Yeah, that is 10 times its budget. Yeah. Internationally? Internationally. It brought in another $242.5 million. Yep. That's so much money. So total, it was roughly $384 million on a $14 million budget. Hey, it shows you don't have to spend a lot of money to do great things. To get, if you just make a great movie, yeah, you don't need Iron Man doing things to make money. You just have to make a good, honest movie that yeah. makes people invested, and then they're gonna go see it more than once because they really love the story or whatever. Uh, they want to see if they can find things sprinkled through. For... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Adjusted for inflation, it would be. About $174,362,983 because when this movie came out, ticket prices were roughly $7.50 compared to the nine seventeen now. So, yeah, not that huge of an inflation. Only about yeah. another $30 million. But there's some movies out there that don't even make $30 million, so they'd take it. In 2022, so we've, we've come to a consensus here that basically for this entire year, we're always going to compare to the 2022 theatrical market because it's going to take too long to get every movie out in 2023, and we don't know where all these movies are going to land. So we have enough movies that I could have slotted it in somewhere, but some of the movies just came out, and they're still making a bunch of money, and it just wouldn't be as accurate. So Not only gonna, that, yeah. but you never know. The market might go crazy, and suddenly price, you know, ticket prices are like 20 bucks. Exactly. So, so. You know, 2022 is already done. Every movie's already come out. I mean, I know there's still some movies that came out that year that are slightly making money, like Avatar or uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, but I adjust for those as needed. So, in 2022, this movie would have ranked number 11. That's adjusted. not bad. That's not, that's not bad for a movie that wasn't supposed to, because when you compare it to the movies that are right around it, it's even more incredible. Uh, it comes just, not just below, it comes about 15 million below Sonic 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number 10, mm -hmm. but it beat out by $6 million Black Adam that was supposed to be this big, massive DC <laughs> movie, and it would have lost to a Slumdog Millionaire had it come out in the same year. Don't mind my snickering. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Black Adam's a terrible movie. In fact, we gave it, if you ever go check out our YouTube channel, you'll see we, we did our review for it, and we ended up, I think, giving it a B plus. but we gave it that grade on initial watch. We put the review out, like, the next day. Yeah, the movie has gone down in quality since then. It's not so much that it's bad, it's just nothingness, so. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty awful as well i think it was just the high of like dr fate was so good True. it was kind of a pretty movie to look at and just you were hyped up and then you kind of sit on it, it a little bit back to earth like yeah. all those people that black adam threw and then once they got rid of the henry cavill superman oh yeah. i was just like well what was the point of that post credit scene i i just don't care anymore and every year that passes i'm becoming less and less of a rock fan uh, Dwayne Johnson is a terrible actor. Like, fight me on it. I don't care. I will never not think that. And the way he handled the whole situation and tried to, like, 
force feed numbers down reporters' throats to make it sound like Black Adam was making more money than it was, and it wasn't going to be a terrible loss for DC, really soured me even more. And so I'm like, I can't support that. This is like multiple weeks in a row we've talked about The Rock and how much we don't like him. Really? <laughs> we've brought it up uh, at least once or twice before. <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay, well, <laughs> screw you, Dwayne Johnson. I hope <laughs> you're never going to listen to this. But if you are, I don't care. You're not a good actor. Power to you for making all of the money and convincing people that your movies are good. You haven't made a good movie since, like, Gridiron Gang a decade ago, if not longer. So, Jungle oh Cruise God. was... Don't don't even talk about that one. That one I doesn't exist. I can't wait for, like, eight years from now when we're doing an episode on Jungle Cruise. It's, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be so good. No. Anyway, can we get back to the movie we were talking about? We're yes. supposed to be talking about. Yes, definitely. All right. So, Slumdog Millionaire. Yes. That's it. That's That's what I got. That's all the numbers. That's the ratings. Start talking about the movie. Go for it. Oh, you want me to start? Listen. Okay. Let me just let me just run through this movie real quick. That's what I wanted you to do. The <laughs> opening like... is fantastic. The and I'm talking about the first like two minutes of the movie where they're just sitting in silence and there's close ups on them and it's really intense and you're like, I don't hundred percent understand what's happening, but I'm already engaged. Then I absolutely love the premise of this movie. No, it's not, like, the coolest thing ever. It's like, oh, he's on a game show. But the way they intertwine all of these separate narratives into a whole story. And it's not, I don't know, you you know, you've watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Everybody's yeah. watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It was, like, the biggest thing on the planet at one point. But it was always, I need to think about this question for the next three minutes before I answer it. Let me just talk through every option, even though I know the answer. Right, like... What is Coca-Cola? Is it A, a horse, B, a car, C, a light, or D, a soda? And people would be like, well... I know it's not a horse. It might be A, but I don't think it's A because I know it's not a horse. We Just answer the question. But you're sitting here thinking, okay, well, he's on a game show because Jamal, our main character played by Dev Patel, is on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the Indian version. And it's that story right there. That's that's the that's the main point of this story. He's playing on this game show, but he's doing really well at it. And they're starting to think maybe he's cheating because he's from the slums, and he shouldn't be educated. He shouldn't know these things. So what we're getting is flashbacks to how he knows these answers, but they throw a nice little narrative twist into the middle of that, because it's not him reminiscing about these stories while he's sitting on the chair answering these questions he's actually in a police station being interrogated how he knows these answers because they think he's cheating so there's three levels of story work going on here and it never really gets confusing which i think is just a testament to great filmmaking because it could have gotten easily jumbled mess oh yeah the i know you've talked about it before where you don't like movies that change time periods, mm-hmm. like uh, multiple stories being told at one time because it can get confusing. I, if you're going to flashback, I always say, just do the first 15 minutes of your movie as the flashback and then t- pick up the story from there. I don't like this whole, like, I'm going to tell you a story for 15 minutes and then I'm going to flashback. And then I'm going to tell you the, the, the current story for the next 40 minutes. Then I'm going to flashback again. I, 
I don't like it. I think it's a weak plot device, a weak way of, of storytelling. But for some reason, I think it's okay in this one because of the way they have it playing out. Yeah. Um, so this one, for you to not be angry about it, is, is really telling. Yeah. And it does such a well, a uh, good job of not only going back in time to tell you why he knows a certain thing, it's telling you the story of his life, and that just so happens to bring up why he knows a certain answer, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, like, slap you in the face with it. Like, hey, did you remember that the question was, who's on the $100 bill? Well, let me slap you in the face with a $100 bill and spoon-feed you how he knows this information. Yeah. It's just part of the story. It's like two lines of dialogue from another character, and then we just move on. And yeah. just, it plays out, and you're like, oh. And you gotta, well, I think there was even a point where you were like, they're telling the story, that's how he got that answer. And I'm like, no, no, no. The next story is how he got that answer. Because that's how they do it. They don't, you either, you pick up on it or you don't. It's one of the things I wrote down in my uh, notes here. The movie doesn't hold our hand nor baby us mm -hmm. at all. Either you got it or you're going to have to watch the movie again. And it, the re I think the reason I got a little confused was they weren't always sticking to a specific method of get the question, start the story, find the answer, next question. Like yep. answer a question, next question. They switched it up every now and then of like he'd get the question answer and then we get the plot of how he knew that answer. And then sometimes it would be the get the question, see the plot, answer. So, so it kept it fresh, mm -hmm. but it did confuse me a little bit on which one we were answering and what the answer was. Yeah. And that's okay because yeah. sometimes that's it's okay for movies to do that. I don't like when movies are, hey... Do you remember when we said that thing 20 minutes ago? Oh, let me refresh you. And mm. then here's why we said it. I don't I don't need that. I remember what you said 20 minutes ago. I'm fine. Just play out. Yeah. And it, that's what I like. It wasn't taking away from my experience of the movie at all. Um, I just think it would make for almost a better second viewing, knowing what to look for in those little flashback scenes. Yeah. So... And I think on a second viewing, you're not really going to get bored either. I, I don't think this is one of those movies. Like, I don't tend to watch movies multiple times. Like, there's certain movies that I love that I'll watch multiple times. There's certain movies that aren't even, like, the best movies, but they're, they're on TV and I have them on in the background. But there are those movies that I will sit down and I will watch more than once and I will pay attention to them. This is one of those movies. Is it the most complex narrative where you're like, oh, my God, I'm so intrigued? No. It's just so well-paced and so well-told that you get ingrained, or not ingrained, engulfed into the story, even if you've already seen it. You're still like, oh my god, is he going to get away? And then you have to remember, wait, I've seen this movie already. Like, I know he gets away. We're literally watching adult version of this kid, so I know he gets away, and yet you're still like, oh my god, what happened? Oh, I can breathe now. He got away. <laughs> like, <laughs> It just, it's one of those movies that they did so well, it pulled you in. That's fair. It was also, might I say, really well acted. Ooh, by yes, it all was. generations. Yes. Because we get multiple age groups of the three main characters. And I know you wrote them all down. Mm -hmm. So. 
Well, I wrote just, most of them down. Yeah, yeah, most of them. But you just brought it up, so why don't you kind of tell us who they were, who they played, and, and who they were. Well, I got... So yeah. our main character is Jamal. Mm-hmm. Adult Jamal is played by Dev Patel yeah. in one of his first ever big acting jobs. But we get uh, Jamal as a child as well. Yeah. And who was that played by? I'm going. I might murder these names, but um, I'm going to try it. Ayush Mahesh Kedakar. And he was the young, young. He was the young, young Jamal. I unfortunately did not write middle Jamal mostly because we weren't with him very much. Yeah, he was in like ten minutes of a two-hour movie. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I thought young Jamal was really oh good. Oh my gosh! I actually wrote that they held a lot of the emotional weight of this movie. Is so much happens when they are young kids. That it's just like, how do you have these kids kind of like act these things out and make it so believable that you're like, I'm just watching a documentary at this point, right? Like yep. these things are actually happening to these kids. They were doing <clears throat> fantastic. Well, I think in Ebert's review, um, not the quote that you pulled particularly, but I believe he also said something like it's very documentary style, yeah. right? Yeah, well, he was mostly talking about the <clears throat> how they show um, India. Yeah. Mumbai. The whole idea of half of your city is these really rich people and half of them is the slums. So it, it's like a documentary style that way. Yeah. But I thought it was so well acted that it also is kind of documentary style <laughs> in that method. Yeah, absolutely. And then his best friend growing up is uh, Salim. That's his actual brother. Oh, it's his actual brother. Yeah, I'm they're sorry. actually That's brothers. My bad. They're <laughs> actual brothers and best friends, and they grow up yeah. together. His name's Salim, and who was he played by? Uh, the older one was Medhir Metal, and the youngest one, <laughs> Adharudin Mohammed Ismail. I pr- I couldn't have said it any better myself, so... <laughs> It was the first name that tripped me up. It's just a yeah. lot of letters there. And again, we apologize if we don't say any of these names right. It's not our native tongue. We've never heard them said out loud. We're just, based on how it's spelled, we're kind of figuring it out. Um, great. Once again, those two together are like, wow, okay. And it is so crazy how well they portrayed, especially how the older ones will be. Because we do get a lot of Dev Patel in it. And you can kind of see it's like, oh, this is how this kid is going to get there. Mm -hmm. But we do end up getting Salim's older self. And it's just like, wow. I can see that little seed that you put in there as a kid that you were willing to do horrible things. But not to your brother. Yeah. And I just think they did so well. Except for one time. Hmm. Except for one time. He definitely did something horrible to his brother when he took his brother's girl. Well, that was, yeah, middle one. I, I, was, don't, ta- I don't talk about the middle we, one. <laughs> we don't talk about the middle one. Um, Just yeah. like a middle child, it doesn't exist. Yeah. If my sister's listening, if the middle child of my family is listening, <laughs> yep, she's talking exactly about you. <laughs> anyway, um, all right, who else did you write down? Um, I wrote down the older Latinka. Latinka. Latika's fine. Latika. He said his name, her name so many times and I still can't pronounce it. I thought she was pretty good. Very pretty, by the way. Uh, Frida Pinto. That was the uh, oldest one. Oldest one, yeah. 
Although I think her younger ones did amazing as well. I was just really struggling to find their names on the cast list. Yeah, we don't spend a lot of time with them as yeah. a kid or a teen. I so. mean, her character, unfortunately, doesn't have a lot to her. Because she's just, like, the romantic interest, but... She's... Unfortunately, this is one of those... Here's a, here's the first flaw, uh, big flaw that I have in this movie, is the female is a plot device more yeah. than an actual character. She is there to further along Jamal's story, and that is it. She doesn't really have her own story. Um, she never does anything outside of be rescued by Jamal, and... Multiple it, times. Yeah, that's not the way to write in a female character. It's, it's just not. Dear Hollywood. Yeah. They know. <laughs> they're fixing it. All right. Who else? Uh, I have the police inspector. We get quite a few scenes with him of Irfan Khan. Yes. I love this actor. Mm -hmm. I've seen him in multiple things. Could I tell you what things? No. He's one of those ones that like, he's in movies, but you never remember he's there. You just remember that you like him. Yeah. Which is a testament to his ability. He is what Stanley Tucci used to be for me. I am a part of the Tucci gang. I love seeing him in every movie, but I forget he's in every movie because <laughs> he's just so ingrained in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's this guy. And then just uh, Prem, which is the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire of Anil Kapoor. Yeah. He, he, I, I liked him so much. <laughs> Even being the jerk that he ends up being, I liked him. Yeah, he's got a nice little i wouldn't say nice a weird little twist to his character yeah so he's just the host of who wants to be a millionaire and you think that's it like he's just the host he doesn't really care but he's the one that turns jamal over to the police because he thinks he's che cheating after he feeds him an answer that's wrong yeah and yet jamal still gets the answer right and then he completely flips a switch where it's just like oh you're a bad guy Oh, I didn't yeah. see that coming at all. Well, he kind of, well, you didn't actually see it, but he was a jerk at the beginning, too. Yeah, I mean, He's like, oh, you're the guy who gets coffee? Pfft, look at this guy. Ha. Well, that's him being playing it up for the cameras. Yeah. You know, that's not actually being a jerk. He's trying to engage and, you know, tell a story, make him well, seem more like an underdog. So if he does anything, it's good. And if he doesn't do anything, he'd be like, see, told you. The actor did do a good job in his emotional scene. Yeah. Like, Oh, you know, I think you're going to make it. Well, I totally believe Sly him. Face. That Okay, so there's a, there's that. Let's talk about that scene because okay. that scene just is, is so good. They take a break from the show so that they can clean up, blah, 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 before they continue. And they're in the restroom and the host, uh, Prem, is like, hey, Jamal, you're doing great. You know, and Jamal's like, I don't, I don't know the answer to the next question. And he's like, yeah, you do. It's fine. You'll figure it out. And he's giving this really impassioned speech of like, you know, it's destiny. I was it's... the only other person from the slums to become a millionaire. Like, yeah. it, I feel it. But now I think you can do it too. It, yeah. It's there. And that's when he gives him the answer. He writes it in the steam on the, the mirror. And then Jamal goes out and he force fed him the wrong answer. And Jamal then changes his answer to be right. And that's when that switch happens. Because that's the moment he then gets shoved off to the police to be interrogated. And the police there aren't just, like, sit you in a room. They're, like, we're going to smack you around a little bit. We're, we're going to use a little electro electricity yeah. torture, like... Crazy. And he knows. And he put Jamal in that situation. It was just like, what a flip of the switch where you're like, yeah. oh my god, he's giving this passion speech about how he believes in him. 
Oh, nope, just kidding. He didn't actually believe in him. He doesn't want you to win. Not but at then all. he seems really actually happy for him at the end as well. So, like, he flips back a little bit. I don't know. It's it could be weird. acting. Such a great, great actor. What's really cool, though, is originally Danny Boyle wanted the actual host of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Indian version to play that person. Yeah. They weren't available, though. So he got Emil Kapoor, who was a contestant on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, like, back in 2005 or something like that. Huh. Or, to, like, early 2000s, whatever. He was actually a contestant. Walked away with, like, 5 million rupees or something like that. Like, he did really well. That's cool. Probably what helped him launch his career into, like, an acting thing. I don't doubt. Um, yeah, that's interesting. What a tie-in right there. Yeah. Um this is another fun fact that I have that I, it just fits in here. He actually did, Danny Boyle did get one of the hosts of the show. So the guy who initially started hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire didn't finish the entire show. They got a different actor for a couple other seasons, different host. But, again, butchering names here, and I apologize. Amitabh Bakkan, who is the per the actor that young Jamal like gets the autograph from. Oh yeah. When he jumps into the outhouse and he's covered in shit and he goes and gets the autograph because he's so excited. Yeah. That's a real uh Indian actor who's a really big deal out there and was the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for the first couple of seasons. That is cool. <laughs> so he did get one of the hosts to come be in the movie who's apparently a really big deal. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's easy enough to just make that person, like, come from a nobody. Yeah. That celebrity. Because you only see him for, like, 0.2 seconds. Oh, yeah. So. It's fine. Yeah, he's in, like, one scene. But he pulls it off really well. Yep. Anyway. So, yeah. What else? What other things um, did you love or dislike about this movie? <laughs> I disliked the editing. I know. I know you did. I... You were shocked when they won an Oscar for it. So what, was, what was your problem? I, like Ebert, said it was breathless. And unfortunately, my version, not good. Mine is more <laughs> like the asthmatic breathless. Like, I can't keep up. Like, too much is happening. I had to, like, look away for a little while because my head started hurting. It was just too much all at once, all, at, all the time. Especially at the beginning. Was it too much everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Uh, not only that, but the crazy editing along with the unorthodox camera angles and stuff like that. A handheld camera. Yeah. Because there was a lot of movement. Uh, it just, it gave me a headache. I was struggling to keep watching it at that moment. And... Uh, not it got slower as the movie went on so i was much more invested then but right at the beginning it was really tough yeah when they were kids anytime there was like a chase scene or something it was shaky cam run 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 quick cuts everything yeah it, it looked like a marvel movie it's a little hard it's a little hard to get through um oh. one flaw that i had was i think we spent a little too much time with young jamal although it was fascinating and the actors all did a really good job more than one third of the movie is about him reminiscing of being a child. Yeah. And it's like, so most of the stuff came from when you were like seven? 
pretty much. Nothing really happened when you were a teenager. I know we get some teenager years, but not nearly as much as the other stuff. So it's like nothing happened in those years, and now you're here? It felt very uneven, where it was like, how did you get all these answers to all of these questions in the first, like, in three years of your life? And then nothing happened until you were on this stage. I know, we get, like, one last little cutback scene to him as a kid when uh, his brother steals his girl, and then, like, that's it. Yeah. That's all that we get for his life and it's like but that that was years ago like nothing has happened to you up until this point like somehow you're suddenly getting coffee for this uh telephone company like how did that happen yeah there's certain jumps in this movie that are just like okay some of you guys are working at a restaurant how did that happen and they all seem to happen within those teenage years which i feel like just go by so fast yeah which is you know okay yeah it's a little annoying but we don't have to know every aspect of this person's life it's not imperative to the story yeah so let's talk about since we spend a lot of time with young jamal let's talk about his upbringing because it's a very hard watch it's rough it's, it's really rough it's, it's emotional and it's rough but there are orphans who live on the street running around and they get pseudo adopted by this one guy who trains them or teaches them how to, like, beg for money. Yep. Beg and steal. Beg and steal and everything. And then it goes really far. So Salim gets recruited to be, like, the head of the kids and tell them what to do and all this stuff. But then he finds out that this guy is purposefully hurting these kids to get more sympathy so they can get more money. We watch them blind a kid with, like, an acid it's it's rough it's a hard just sitting in that moment because then the guy's like next up go get jamal go get your brother bring him in here we're gonna do the same thing to him thank god salim doesn't but talk to me about that he he does get him but forewarns him by using the the thread of the three musketeers mm-hmm. being like okay well when i say to run basically run I, why he didn't just like not come back and they just took off while they were waiting for him i don't know but yeah that whole them being at that orphanage and having to steal money is a terrible scene like before that we get full-on child nudity which is terrible and I did not need to see that at all. So that whole sequence was just like, ah, uh, I think that you, you say terrible, but what do you mean by that? Oh, like, like it's uncomfortable to watch, watch. Uncomfort- or it's a terribly made. No, no. Wonderfully made, except for the child nudity. Wonderfully made, just really hard to sit through. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this movie has that in there where it's like, we're going to touch some really heavy subjects but we're going to do it in mostly a tasteful way. M- mostly, yes. Uh, nothing is ever really shown on camera where you're like, oh, God, uh, I don't... T- turn it off. Yeah, but it's not there's so grotesque. many implications of what's actually happening that turns your stomach. And you're like, oh, God, oh, I don't... I didn't need to know that. Because <laughs> these kids are orphans because we see their mother get killed. Yeah. 
Like, at the same time you see a person lit on fire. Like, that's how yeah. hard this movie goes. Yep. And it is hard. <laughs> so, they, they escape. But then we get, like, they the kid that got blinded, that we watch get blinded, which is gut-wrenching. One of the questions is, who's on the $100 bill? And how Jamal knows the answer is, years later, he runs into that same... Maybe not even years later. Like, a year later... It's a couple... They've aged up at that a point. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, he runs into that kid, begging on the street still, and he's blind, and it's so hard to watch, because you, you saw that happen, and the fact that he's still begging and nothing's changed for him hurts my heart. But then it's this great little exchange of, like, he knows who Jamal is, even though he can't see, like, he just knows his presence, knows his voice, and then he helps him get find out where the girl went and it's heartbreaking that whole moment for me is incredibly sad because jamal is trying to live this life and i just want to scream at the tv like take that kid with you what are you doing just grab it by the hand and be like let's go yeah and you can't and you know this kid's just stuck in this perpetual loop of wake up beg Go home, get abused, wake up, beg, go home, get abused. And it's just going to keep happening. And Jamal could take him with him right then in that moment. But that's not the way the world works. No, because he's already going to get enough trouble trying to get the girl. Yeah. And these are not people you cross. That's another aspect of this movie that you get is there are some people you should not cross. Because mm-hmm. they will come and find you. Yeah. And so he gives the blind child a hundred dollar bill that he got from some tourists while he's been grifting basically and that's when they have this cute little exchange it's when he learns that you know that's who's on the hundred dollar bill and it's also just painful because that kid could probably do a lot with a hundred dollar bill the exchange rate isn't isn't great um the dollar is much more powerful over there than their own currency or no it's not as powerful I'm always, sometimes I confuse myself on the exchange rate. Uh, basically, the 20 million rupees that he wins roughly equates to about 280,000 US dollars. So, how much could he do there? I don't know. But to think that he has to take that money, go back, and give it to this abuser instead of actually doing something with it for himself? Ugh. I can't. I can't. It's one of those. It's one of those scenes where I'm just like, Tell me when it's over. I don't want to see it. But you have to see it because that's life. It, um... Mm-hmm. Well, this is a euro. A euro equals 87.67 Indian rubies. And the, a euro is a little over a dollar. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it just doesn't get to do anything with it, and that's sad. No. Um. Anyway... So, yeah, he has a much more buying power over there with a $100 bill. That's a lot of money. And he He's doesn't get to keep get it. Any of it. Yeah. Never. He's not he going to get anything. He has to hand it over. Yep. It's, it sucks. So, here's a question that I have. And I want you to talk about different moments in the movie. But how did Jamal survive? How did he survive this movie? Sure. How did he get to being an adult? Because there's a lot of times he shouldn't survive. Sheer luck. And having his brother there to do some 
unspeakable things yep. for him. Basically. So we already talked about that he almost got blinded and all that survives. Then they're grifting and they're selling stuff and they're stealing and they're on a train stealing from people. And Jamal falls off the top of the train while it's moving. With his brother. Somehow yeah. survives. Now we get a great transition that I don't think I noticed before. But they're kids when they're on the train. They're the young versions of themselves. Then they fall off the train and they roll down a hill. And when they reach the bottom of the hill, they're the teenage versions of themselves. For Great transition. Oh, yeah. So good. But then that happens. Then he's being hunted by people uh, that he wronged. Gets saved. He goes and finds the girl. Uh, the, the abuser guy from the orphanage finds them and is going to kill them. And he gets saved. And every time... He just gets saved. He walks into a mobster's house as grown-up Jamal to save the girl and fakes being a chef, a cook, and makes a really terrible sandwich. Apparently. And the guy gets really mad at him. But instead of being, like, angry and questioning him, like, you're clearly not a chef. What are you doing here? He just goes, you suck. Get out. Again, <laughs> he just keeps surviving. Yeah. How does he do it? He is lucky, clearly, since all the questions that he was asked in the show to be a millionaire. basically were a part of his life. Like, I, it's definitely sheer dumb luck. Or <laughs> movie logic. <laughs> the script said so. Uh, yeah, it's just, it blows my mind because I'm like, you should be dead. Yeah. Multiple times over at yeah, this point. Just, just a little. Just, just a little bit. I want to talk about the title. Slumdog Millionaire. It's perfect. What do you think? Yeah. Tell me about it. I mean, it encapsulates everything that is about this movie. He is the slumdog. He's called it multiple times. And he becomes a millionaire. Very <laughs> literal. Very. He wins 20 million rupees by yeah. the end, which is not a lot of money in U.S. dollars. I mean, it's a lot of money, but not as much as it sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... So back in 08, when this movie came out, there was like a protest of it's a racially derogatory word, slumdog. I mean, And yeah. Danny Boyle was like, it's not though. Like he's from the slums. It, this was Danny Boyle's interpretation of the title. He's from the slums. So we get slum and he's an underdog. So we get dog. So he's a slumdog. And I'm like, I get it. But I also don't get it at the same time. Yeah, I figured it was a derogatory term, but that was the whole point, is that he's always been considered this thing. Yeah. And he's clearly much more than that, as a part by the millionaire by the end, so. So I always tell you when we go see movies, like, seeing Iron Man, listen, the movie's called Iron Man. If Iron Man's in it, the movie did exactly what it says on the tin. It didn't lie to me. It said, it's an Iron Man movie. He's in it. This movie, it says, Slumdog Millionaire. He's a Slumdog Millionaire. It says it right on the tin. I can't be mad at it. But would you change the title or do you think that's the title of this movie? I mean, I think that's the title of this movie. Like, there's no, well, it could be called or... No, nah, like, if it was called something else, no. I could not think of anything else. But then again, I don't know too much about Indian culture to know like any other way to say it yeah so I think that one's kind of the way to do it you didn't want to call it like started from the slums and now he's here no it's too long 
come on, it'd be great. Um, then they could play that song. Well, if we remade it, they could play a song that didn't exist back then. You know, started from the bottom. I think that's Kanye. I think so. I don't know. I don't listen to that music, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of another title either. No, I think it works. I don't know if this is a perfect title, but it's damn close. It's damn close. Talk to me about the relationship. I have a huge problem with the relationship. The, with the girl? Yeah. Okay. I, I, it was very much so the whole idea of like love at first sight or this is your true love. Cause there's no reason. Yeah. You want to make sure she's okay. Like you got out of a very terrible situation with this girl. You survived for a while with this girl and you think she let go, even though your brother was definitely the one to let go. <laughs> Y'all should have let go of each other. It just went went your ways. Yeah, it, especially after the second time. Like, getting her out of that terrible situation, I understand. But once she's out... The situation where she's basically what I believe to be an escort. Yeah. Right? Well, a dancer until like. he gets enough money to make her an escort. Right, she's a dancer that... She's a stripper, basically, yeah. but she's she's an untouched stripper. Yeah. Until he can figure out how to get more money by allowing somebody to touch her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so getting her out of that situation, I applaud. But once the brother kind of took her and like they never saw each other again, like that's the time to be like, okay. Right. It's years apart, and he's still. We had this whole discussion about unrealistic expectations for romance yeah. in movies a couple weeks ago this is one of those ones where it's like dude you just just let it go like i get it yeah but at the same like you can think about her but he basically makes his entire life about getting to her and it's like she could have come to you after that point like i get not coming to you before that yeah but after that she could have found you if she had wanted to. Instead, she got in with a mobster. Yeah. Became a, mo became a mobster's wife or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a big problem with it. I think the narrative structure and the story we're telling of this boy's life is enough to hold the attention of the audience. I don't think the love story adds anything. I think it actually takes away from my enjoyment of other pieces because at the end of the day, it's just, it's all about the girl. So I don't even care. Oh, well, that's cool. But, you know, he doesn't act, he's not actually ever going to go do this thing or that thing because he needs to find the girl. It's all about the girl. Yeah. And I don't see the point of it. Like, you met when you were six. You helped her get away from an orphanage. Then you and your brother went out and did a thing. Why are you still harping on her? Move along. She doesn't do anything for you. She's not, like, every time she sees him, she's super happy but it's not like she's sitting there announcing her love for him every time they meet. Like, you're the one for me. I can't believe you found me. You're the best. Oh, I yeah. was looking for you. No, it's all one-sided. It's him to her. And that's it. Why? why Are why? we rooting for this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I personally, like, I am not rooting for this he, love story at all. That is the whole plot point that got him on the show. Well, because... He she knew watches she'd be it. watching. Yep. And so he can be seen by her. Great. But Great? you like had a job. You were kind of getting your life together. Yeah, you were just a dishwasher, but like it's a step. 
you were going to do other things. You were going to, and then you just, it, it all falls apart again because you got to get on this show. You get interrogated by the police and tortured because you like a girl. Yep. Dude. Dude. I hate it. I hate it. I can't stand the love story in this. It bothers me so much. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, I think this movie needed more ups. More ups? Like, good times. Okay. Because it is a very, like we said before, hard to, yeah, hard to sit through. I think we needed a few more moments of, like, the kids getting to just be kids or teenagers being carefree-ish. Yeah. Like, something more to root for than just being like, ah, oh, your life stunk. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't think you could. I don't think those, I think the point was that nothing's ever gone right. Yeah. And now winning the show is like the change in his life. So if we would have gotten anything good when they were little, and we do get some goods. Like, one of my favorite scenes is the Taj Mahal. When Jamal, young Jamal, is just waiting for his brother to come back. And he's standing by a sign that says guided tours. And mm -hmm. this couple comes up, this tourist couple come up, and they're like, when's the tour start? And he goes around, he starts telling them all this stuff, and he's making things up. He's just lying. He's flat out lying to them. Yeah. And they're like, it's not in the guidebook. And they're like, he's like, ha, yeah, they don't tell you everything. That was written by idiots. And it's such a cute moment, and he buys a camera and takes people's pictures so that he can sell back to them for, you know, every time you go to a theme park, as soon yeah. as you walk in, they're like, take a picture. And you're like, oh my God, leave me alone. I'll never people. buy that picture. I, no, I will Stop not it. buy you that picture. You want like twenty bucks I have for a, a digital copy? I will. I will literally just take a picture if I have to. Yeah. But like we see that things are on the up, you know. Mm -hmm. So we do get highs. They're just not as high as the lows get. Yeah. I wish that I really wanted him to like actually start learning things about the Taj Mahal, and like really bring people through, but. Well, like it's I said, as is. that's one of the reasons I have such a problem with the love story. Are There are moments where you can see his life could improve. He could, you know, make something of himself, get to a point of assuredness. Yeah. But he always sacrifices it for the girl. Like, let it go. Like the fact that when they were at working at the restaurant, he's like, I'm going back to this place. Yep. And Salim is like, oh, you're going back for her. You, we have something here, but you want to go back there for her. And it's like... And that's what sets his life downward again, because they that's when they find her dancing. And in that moment, Salim kills the abuser. Yeah. Puts a gun to his head and pulls the trigger. And just, just... He ends it. And now they're on the run, and now Salim's gotten a taste of that, that lifestyle. And this is where things even take a worse turn. Because they, they rescue the girl, they go, and they're partying, they're drinking, they're all this stuff. And... The girl, uh, Latika and Jamal are laying in bed and drunk Salim comes along, fights his own brother, threatens to kill him because he's going to go have sex with her against her will. Does not matter to him because he saved her life and she owes him. He's such a nice guy. <sighs> such a nice guy. Not only that, that is when Salim goes in line with the mobster that Correct. she ends up with because... The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. 
So it's just, that's where it's all downhill. And it's like, if you guys would have just stayed as dishwashers, you could have earned money. You could have gotten a place. You could have moved up. You could have trained. You could have, you could have started an actual life, but he risked it all. And that's where I think this movie really falters is you want him, you, you want to root for him. Yeah. He's had a really hard life. You want him to succeed. So when he starts succeeding, you get really excited and then it all falls apart again. And it's always for the same reason. And that's kind of the moments that I get taken out. I'm just like, let me know when it's going good again, because who cares? Yeah. Yep. What else do I got? I have, oh, let's talk about the ending. Okay. We've, we kind of figured out how we get to where we're going to get. So Salim works for the mob guy. And he's basically brought Latika, Latika, to the mob guy. And Jamal saves her again. (laughs) And they're running through a train station so they can get away. And Salim and other henchmen catch her, bring bring her back. And this is what sets him off the path to get to the show, blah, blah, blah. But at the very end of the movie, she's watching... Jamal on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Salim sees it and helps her escape. Yeah. But not only helps her escape, says, she's like, he's never going to stop coming after me. And Salim says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of him. Gives her a cell phone, gives her a car, sends her on on her way. He hides in the bathroom with a bunch of money for some reason. Yeah. Which doesn't really make any sense. But I guess if you bleed all over the money, the money's no good anymore. So, I mean, it's hard to wash out blood. So, the mob guy's really pissed. He finds out money's gone. He finds out the girl's missing. He breaks in. Salim just shoots him. Mob guy's dead. Now, Salim sacrifices his own life because all the other henchmen just open fire on him and just end him. Yeah. What do we think about this sacrifice? Was it warranted? Was it earned? How did we feel? I don't think it was really necessary like it was and it wasn't because Mm -hmm. salim at that point had been so horrible that you you needed something to redeem him otherwise what's the point yeah but at the same time you're like there's like six other ways that you could have handled this and uh right like you might have been able to get away too because when he's setting this all in motion the mob guy's in a different bathroom all by himself talking on the phone yeah. I don't, Salim could have just walked in there, opened fire on him, and then took off and maybe escaped. Yeah. It's a really weird sacrifice. I think it somewhat works to redeem his character, but at the same time, I'm like, you've done so many nasty things. This one thing doesn't really matter all that much. Again, it's also because I hate the love story. So them ending up together is just like, I. who cares? Yeah. Who cares? And then he makes his phone call. Okay, so this pisses me off, too. The last question is the question about the three musketeers, which has been a through line throughout the entire movie that they don't know who the third musketeer is. Yeah. Because it's just him and his brother. They don't really have a third musketeer. So that's why they never learn the name. So that's what the question is. Who's the third musketeer? And he doesn't know it. And he's like, well, I'm going to call my brother. And it's like, first of all, your brother doesn't know it either. That's the whole point. But at least he says, I have to call that number because it's the only number I know. Yeah. And who answers? Latika? Latika? She answers. Yep. And she's like, yeah, I have no idea what the answer is. And he's like, well, where are you? 
She's like, I'm safe. You're like, okay, whatever. And then he somehow still gets it right. He hasn't known this answer the entire movie. Am I supposed to believe that he just guesses it? Also, what a waste of a phone call. Well, might as well try. Sure. It's your only lifeline left. Yeah, it just... And then they, he, like, immediately knows where she's going to be and runs to her after he gets the question right. And it's like, but she never told you where she was going to be. So that's just plot convenience that you, you found her. It was her. the same train station. I don't, I don't care. What signal did they give on the phone call to warrant meeting there? That Stupid. was the only place they thought to meet. But they both thought it in the exact same moment? No. Yeah. But he gets it right, and he wins. Yay! Ah, Yay. The ending doesn't work for me at all. I don't like them ending up together. I don't like that he won. He's, you know, I get he has to be a millionaire by the end. That's Slumdog Millionaire. But it also could have just stood for Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire. He's on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire show. It didn't mean he actually had to win. Yeah. Did you like that he won? Uh, I did. I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to pull out the rug at the last second. But mm-hmm. I was just like, come on, just let him win. <laughs> He needs something good in his life. Fair. What'd you think of the ending? Them getting together? Eh. I didn't really care at that point. Like, I, I, I'm i with you. I don't really care about the romance so much. Mostly because her character is the nothingness of a character. Yep. So, them being at the together at the end, I was like, okay. Yeah. I okay. wish his story would have just been him getting to be a millionaire. Not him getting the girl. Yeah. Listen, dude, you're a millionaire. You can have whatever girl you want now. You're a millionaire. <clears throat> now you're suddenly helping out the slums so that no one else has to go through what you did. Oh, yeah. Know. Absolutely. Something like that. Speaking of helping out the slums, here's a fun little fact. The director, Danny Boyle, for all the kids that were in the movie, he took majority of their uh, salary and he put it in a trust fund that they can get when they're 16. So that way, like, it wasn't taken from them. Yeah. And the Indian authorities, with the help of Danny Boyle, actually got any of the, the kids who were living in the slums out and put them in houses. Oh. And the condition for them to get the money when they turned 16 was they had to finish school. Mm-hmm. And so the production company and Danny Boyle, and again, this is half-assed internet research, so I have no idea how accurate this is, but I'm sure I, you can find it pretty easily and read stories about it. Um, he set up transport from when filming finished to the year they were 16 transport to school every day to and from school every day so that they would finish school that's good that's awesome yeah that's how you make changes it's not changing for everybody but if you can make a change for just a couple people they can turn around and make a change for other people and you start this whole cycle of making change instead of just leaving everything status quo yeah that's just that's just cool and i like not giving them you don't have to do them uh, everything yeah just a little bit Start to You don't have to spend $20 million and get everybody this and that, but doing it for a few is the start. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's kind of cool, right? That's really cool. Yeah. I I love hearing stories like that. I would support this movie just for stories like that. All right. You got nits? I do have a nit. I don't don't have any. Um, My nit is it's super lucky that the questions went in order of his life. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. It, we never had to jump back and forth. It was Thank just God for kid that. to adult. Mm-hmm. How lucky. Well, yeah. Well, lucky and lucky not, because we don't hear every question. You know, there's 20 questions. We don't hear all of them. We only hear a select few. 
So it could just be that we're only hearing the ones that fit narratively into his life. Yeah. What else? That was my only Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got some questions here. Okay. Okay, so I know you're a huge sucker for blooper reels at yes. the end of movies. It's yes, like I one am. of your favorite things. Dancing closing credits or blooper reel closing credits? Blooper reel. Really? Oh, yeah. You didn't like the dance? I like the dance, but I prefer bloopers. So you would have rather a blooper reel of this movie? Probably not of this movie, though. <laughs> to be fair, it's too too hard of a movie to yeah. go and do a blooper reel for. Yeah, absolutely. Be like, oh, it's the burning I mean, of the eyes out scene, but ha-ha, I, I sneezed. <laughs> like, you know. Um, but dancing is a-okay. Yeah, the dancing was fine. Well, because it's all happy now. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, do you remember the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire craze? When yeah. that movie Or that movie. That show was like the biggest thing on the planet and like everybody watched it. Yeah. And then the guy who won a million dollars for the very first time got like the easiest questions ever because they just needed somebody to win it. No, I don't remember that. Really? I didn't watch it a lot. I just knew that it existed. existed. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have good cable. Gotcha. Back in the day. Uh, yeah, it was like craze and everybody was like, oh my God, who's going to win? Who's going to win? And it was like almost, it was like the end of the first season, which was weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And nobody had even really come close. We got mm. like a 200,000 and that was about it. And then the guy who ended up winning it, he called his dad on the very last question to tell him he was about to be a millionaire. Yeah. He didn't even I do remember help that. with that. Yeah. But it was like these really easy questions. Like I remember it being a whole thing afterwards where people were like, yeah, I knew almost every single question that he got. Like they, they set it up for somebody to Are you thinking that win. they did this for this guy? Because definitely the uh, producers were like, yeah. Good job. Maybe, maybe. I I could see it. It was just such a weird craze. I, I it always fascinates me when like TV shows, and whether they're game shows, TV shows doesn't matter. When they like completely take over for a little bit of time. Stranger Things did it when it first came out. Game of Thrones did it for a couple years. Tiger King. Uh, Tiger King did it for all summer. <laughs> <laughs> but and then you go to game shows and it's like, um, Deal or No Deal was the biggest was thing on the for planet a while. Yeah. for a while. Who wants to be a millionaire? The weakest link. Yeah. These were all like... Survivor. Yeah, they just crack me up when they just take over. And who wants to be a millionaire was the weirdest thing. Because I'm like, it's just trivia. Yeah. And we're just watching. Nothing's actually happening. It's just ask a question, answer it. Ask a question, answer it. I mean, it's easier than Jeopardy. Like, come on. Yeah, but Jeopardy, at least you're going against other people. That's it's what I'm saying. It's got to be quick. You got to... Yeah, like, I didn't understand why this particular show just skyrocketed. Because nothing happens in this show. It's just, it was Regis Philbin, contestant, answer questions. Yep. Yeah. Super weird. Big, weird craze. Big, weird craze. All right. That's all I got. That's all I got for questions. Yeah. I didn't actually have that many questions for this. Really? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, hot take. Uh, my hot take is that he probably should have lost that final question. Okay. But I guess it's not all that hot of a take since you already brought it up. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny though. Uh, my hot take is the same thing. He shouldn't have won at the end for yeah. two reasons. One, he, he didn't know the answer. <laughs> like he had a 25% chance, which I, you know, fine. But the fact that he got it right just blows my mind. But also 
I, and we kind of had this conversation a little bit before we did this pod, but the mafia guy's killed. But that's not to say nobody else in his organization wants this girl back. She probably knows things she's not supposed to know. And they're going to try to find her. He's now a celebrity. We see him getting mobbed in a taxi. People knocking on the door, knocking on the window, screaming that they love him. Well, he's in the middle of playing the game. Now he's one. He's a millionaire. Celebrity. There's going to be pictures. They're going to find these two and kill them. This is not a happy ending. At all. Yeah. Halfway through, I was like, what do you want to bet he loses the final question but gets the girl? Yep. Nope, he got both. He got both. But not for long. Unless they take all of that money and find a way out of that country, they're dead in like a week. Yeah. And that's it. Not a happy ending. I always think, this is something I do with movies. Uh, I always think about what comes next after the movie. Because it's like, oh my god, that was such a cool ending. Or especially like my favorite genre is rom-coms. And they always end up together. But I always have to like question it. Because I'm like, but what happens next? Yeah. Like, you guys had this weird adventure together, but what happens... Can you guys exist as just, like, a normal life together? You guys gonna, like, move in? You guys gonna get married? You guys... What's gonna happen next? And I always think about that. And, like, so this movie, I'm like, they're super happy together for a week. And then they're on the run again. And if they get caught, they're dead. Yeah. Well, maybe they can afford security now. I, a million dollars doesn't go as far as you think it does. Yeah. You gotta buy a place to live. You gotta buy, you know... The money's not going to last. You got to get a job. Yeah, you're going to pay security, but what? You got to get like two dudes, pay them like 50K a year. You got to pay them more than that. Security costs way more than that. So I don't know. It's just weird. Yep. Just weird. Uh, Here's one more fun little thing that I didn't bring up earlier because I completely forgot, but I want to bring it up now. So in the closing credits, so the song Jai Ho was... Uh, choreographed by a person named Longinus Fernandez. And their name is not in the closing credits at all. They completely forgot to put them in there. And so that, that the choreographer decided not to attend any premieres because out of protest of like, I'm not even in the credits. I did work on this and you didn't give me anything like what? Yeah. And then Danny Boyle found out the director and he was also pissed but there was nothing you could do. The movie's already out. You're not going to go back and edit one little name in, unfortunately. So during his Oscar acceptance speech, he set aside like a good like 40 seconds to thank and apologize that person and talk about their meaning to the movie. Aww. And I was like, oh, heartwarming. That's fantastic. That's a great ending for this kind of movie where it's like bad things happen and then you get a good ending out of it. You know? I don't know. Well, they could definitely alter it for the streaming version. I mean, they've yeah, altered I, Ellen Page's name to Elliot Page and everything that she's been in. Yeah, so. I think they probably did, but this was back when it came out. Yeah. Um, just interesting. There's also, if you ever look like up on IMDb, and I don't know the person's name, there's listed as a co-director, uh, a woman listed as co-director, and it says for the Indian shoot, for the uh, India shoot. Mm-hmm. But they weren't actually a director. Danny Boyle shot, did everything. Yes, there was a second unit director, but that wasn't the person. But they got a co-directing credit. They were, um, they were like a stylist and something. And but she's Indian, and so Danny Boyle said, "Hey, we're doing this movie. Come help us out. We need clothing. We need blah 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 blah." 
And she was doing it, and she said, hey, do you know what make this movie really special? And this is out of her own mouth and Danny Boyle's mouth that she presented the idea of you should do part of this movie in Hindi. And it was going to be all in English. And she was like, no, no, do part of it in Hindi. It'll, it'll mean more. And then 20% of the finished product is in Hindi. And it was all her. It was her idea. Not only that, but then Danny Boyle said, okay, well, can you write some Hindi dialogue? Like, here's what they're going to say. Can you, like, translate it into Hindi and, like, change it if it needs to be changed and blah, blah, blah. So she ended up writing most of the Hindi stuff as well. Huh. So Danny Boyle gave her a co-director credit. That's cool. Like, he's the official director. Hers is just a title. It doesn't actually mean anything. She's yeah. not going to get credit for being a director. But I thought that was, again, just Danny Boyle. Nice guy. What did you think about half, you know, a quarter of the movie being in Hindi? I in I always like that, though, because I don't like when it's like, oh, we're in Germany, set during World War II, and three Germans are talking to each other, but it's in perfect English. I'm like, but why? Have them talk German, put subtitles... Or, or here's my preference, don't put subtitles and let the words and their actions speak for themselves. If I can figure it out, great job. But if you have to spoon feed me and say, here's what they're saying, it's not as good. I'm a fan of just speak and let me work out what's being said. I struggle with that, but <laughs> I... It's not for everybody. I both liked and didn't like the Hindi in this movie. I like that they used it. I didn't really care for the subtitles or the titles that were somewhere on the screen. Yeah. In a weird little text bubble. <laughs> yeah, sometimes like, so those text bubbles, they moved around the screen a lot based on what was happening and they had different backgrounds at times. So it got a little confusing about like what I'm looking at exactly. So I'm not like the biggest fan, but it never bothers me. Especially like if you rewatch this movie, you'll find yourself not even paying attention to those because you know the story, you know what's happening, that you don't have to read what's being said. Yeah. It just happens. And it's like, cool, yeah, I'm good with that. So, you know, subtitles are hard for me. I'm not a huge fan of them just in general, especially when people try to get, like, tricky with them. And I'm like, no, no, just put it at the bottom of the screen, basic, boring, who cares, yeah. whatever. I'm not a fan of them either because they go so quick and I can't read them <laughs> fast enough. Yes, if you're a slow reader, subtitles are not your friend. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Some movies just, they need it. Yeah. Because like you said, I can sit there and I can figure out what's being said. Because I'm a movie person, stories all follow a same basic concept, you figure it out. But other people might not be able to. They want to know what's being said. Yeah. So you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, anything else you want to say before we go into awards? No, I'm ready to go into awards. Let's do this. Award time. Let's start with the psycho shower scene. Your favorite scene in the movie. Um, my favorite scene in the movie was a scene we've already talked about. And it was a rough scene to watch. But it was rescuing the girl, uh, Latika, while she was dancing. Um, but particularly after they've already rescued her and Celine pulls out a weapon. It's a very tense scene. It has me on the edge of my seat every time. No matter how many times I watch it, it gets me invested because I keep rooting in my head of like, no, Salim, don't do it. It's going to set you down a terrible path. Just leave. Just take the money and go. And he never does. And I think it's just such a well-shot, choreographed, and acted 
scene. And that's the moment that the movie completely changes for me moving forward. That's my scene. At the same time, I'm like, yes, do it. Yeah, right. Like, that's the hard part. You don't want him to do it because of what it's going to do to him. Yeah. But you want him to do it because of what it's going to do to the other guy. Yep. To the abuser. I, that's why I love that scene. It's, you got to take the good, again, got to take the good with the bad. And it's just, oh, every time you watch it, it's going to get you. What do you got? My uh, psycho shower scene is um, Jamal figuring out the host is giving him the wrong answer and, okay. and responding in, with the other answer. Yeah. Like it is an interesting moment to watch him kind of figure it out. Like he's playing along with it and then he figures it out and he's like, huh? Yeah, no. And he goes for the other answer and how the host is just like, uh, you sure it's not B? Like, you sure? <laughs> and so, and uh, Jamal's just like, yep, I'm sure. Jerk. 100%. Uh, again, it's one of those moments that completely alters the course of the movie going forward because that's the question that he then gets taken to the police and interrogated because of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great scene. One thing that bothers me about your scene, and let me know how you feel, is so he gives him the answer the, the fake answer he's answering it he's questioning it he uses a lifeline yeah he didn't actually know the answer so might as uh, well use the lifeline so? yeah okay might as well use the lifeline to like help yourself out as much as you can right because then it was b was the answer he was fed and d was the other answer he could give whereas the 50 50 could have gotten rid of the b and he would have known for sure yeah Okay. So. That's good. I don't mind it. It just always was a, was a question to me where I was like, I wonder why he uses it there if he knew for sure B wasn't the answer. Did he know the answer? But I guess if he didn't, it helped him out. Yeah. That's because it, the reaction by Emil Kapoor playing Prem, the, the host. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. You can see just his anger and his like. Right. No. Because he has to do all the anger in the eyes because he's currently on TV. Hosting. He cannot falter and be like, I'll kill you. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, intense. Oh, yeah. Intense. All right. Um, next up is the... Life uh, finds a way. Award for your favorite line in the movie. Go ahead. Mine is... Welcome back to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Just the way that guy says it is so funny, and I love it every single time. Like, he says it multiple times in the movie, and every single time I'm like, yes. Say that to me more. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's great. It's iconic. You know, it's... Yeah. Regis Philbin never did that when he was hosting. He was never like, "Who? welcome back to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah. He was just like, hey, you want to come to... You want to be a millionaire? Man, yeah. man, man. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it was just the accent or if he added, like, if he went thicker with it yeah. or whatever, but I would watch that show just for him as the host. Yeah, I just wanted to hear him talk, like, all the time. Oh, yeah, Every dude. time he brought out the, the Hindi for Lock It In, oh, oh it got me. I so good. so much. So good. Like, I know he's a dick in the bathroom when he's giving him the wrong answer, but I'm just like, you believed him, right? So this is the first time you've seen it. Did you believe him 
I, I was a half believe, half not believe. I yeah. was like, I want you to be good, but something tells me you're not. Like, his so. voice just screams, believe me. Yeah. But then his mannerisms scream, I'm lying. Yeah. So, and he so does yeah, really good. His voice is just, oh, it's so good. What about yours? Uh, mine is, at the very beginning of the movie, when the credits, the opening credits are rolling, it asks you a question. And the answers are like, something, something, something. But the answer D is says, is it, it is written. Yeah. And you're like, um, what does that mean? It's part of the script okay yeah of course it's written it's a movie but then that that exact line comes back multiple times in the movie one time in the bathroom scene with the host when he's giving him the answer he says i know you're gonna give it get the answer right maybe it's written my friend in that moment i was like oh all right and that line is what made me think he was giving him the right answer mm-hmm. you know because it is written you're going to win but then it takes a whole new meaning when it's the wrong answer. When Jamal answers it correctly, the host is clearly frustrated and questions him about it. Like, how'd you know? And Jamal answers, maybe it's written, no? And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, throw his words back in his stupid face. I love it so much. So you get like the negative connotation of it is written. You get the cocky connotation of it is written. Then at the end of the movie, when he gets the girl, even though I don't like that, he tells her they're meant to be together. Why? It is written. It is written. And now that exact line takes on a third, more impactful meaning. And then it shows that opening question again, erases all the answers except for it is written. That's my line. It is written all three ways. I love it wonderful it's three simple words that mean absolutely nothing and yet, until they're said and they mean so much that's my line i like it yeah all right next up the han shop first award for the thing that holds up the worst go ahead uh tourists <laughs> they're all idiots they're all idiots I specifically put American tourists, but that we get multiple tourists and they're all kind of just terrible. I think like the first ones that offer him money to give a tour, I think they're like Danish or something. I thought they were German. Ooh, maybe they were German. They sounded very German. Something in that realm. So you get that, you get a couple others like Chinese. The the Americans. Who were the only ones to be like, well, this is how Americans do it. (laughs) That was my runner up for my life finds a way award it's when she says well now you're getting a bit a bit of america and yeah. i was like oh my god i can't wait can't and that's what gives her the hundred dollar bill so <laughs> it's so dumb it's so yeah, but, but the best part about it is that's exactly what you what americans would probably say hey, oh 100 there's those yeah. those certain americans out there who are like the american way mm-hmm. I love it so much. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. What was your answer again? I'm distracted Tourists. Tourists. Tourists hold up the worst. (laughs) Or, in case of that scene, the best. (laughs) (laughs) I love that moment. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm yawning over here from laughter. Uh, Okay, my Han Shot First Award goes to the abuser. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Get out. Just 
Okay. Don't exist. Don't exist. Um, and the fact that people like this do exist. Yes. That, that's more or less what the biggest problem is. Is like, okay, the mob guy's bad. Uh, it's fine. It's like that. Again, he exists. And he's not terrible. Like He, he gives her things or whatever. He's just physically somewhat abusive. But it's more just like he hits her. This guy's torturing these kids. Blinding them. Taking out their eyes. Cutting yeah. off fingers. Whatever he has to do to get sympathy for the kids to get more money and it's probably the hardest part of the movie to watch for me and it, it doesn't hold up for me just because it's too much yeah it goes a little too far you again a lot of this movie is based on implications we don't actually see what's happening it's just implied what's happening but this one goes beyond that it is straight up it's like this is what's happening deal with it i think the major difference between those two bad guys is the mob guy is doing stuff to adults he doesn't touch children that we know once you well i mean they had children run into his car and he did absolutely nothing. oh yeah he just kind of like smiled and like, oh, got okay. mad and then just waved them on so for the other guy to do that kind of stuff to children mm -hmm. and then expect those children to then work for him for like ever yeah yeah like i get Things like that exist, but there are certain things, you know, we had a PSA a while ago about, like, throwing up, which is a jokey thing of, like, I don't need to see people throw up in a movie. Yeah. I have a big thing about, like, I don't need to see sexual assault in a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, like, it can be implied without showing it. It's, you're never going to get the reaction you're actually looking for. I just fast forward through that stuff. There's no point to it being in the movie. This is one of those things where I'm just like... The movie doesn't change if we don't show. If we allude to this man existing, we see him with, like, to teaching them to sing and blah, blah, blah. And then we allude to the fact that he's actually abusing them, hurting them, blah, blah, blah. It still plays out the same way. Yeah. And so showing it doesn't work for me. Fair. So I would just take it out. Fair. All right. Last up is the Paul Rudd Award. For what held up the best? And my answer is young Jamal. That kid made me feel all sorts of things. Like, I was happy for him when he was happy. I was angry when think bad things were happening. I was sad when he was sad. Like, And that's all on him. Yeah, the story plays a big part of it. But without his emotional connection to the story, uh, it doesn't work. It, it wouldn't have made me feel anything. That kid was so damn good. The fact that like he didn't get a, a nod for Best Supporting Actor or anything, mind-boggling. The, the Academy doesn't like children. I mean, they've given awards to children before for like Bad News Bears and stuff like that. Or the Leon the Professional. But yeah, they don't normally do it. But this is one case where I'm like, you should have done it. Yeah. The kid is brilliant. I don't know what he went on to do, but he was brilliant in this movie. Yeah. What's your answer? My answer is the storytelling method. Like, I've seen other movies do something like this. They don't always work. This one worked beautifully. I love the idea that it's set in this time where it's like, I have to explain how I knew these answers from this show. And so... Here's the multiple layers of me explaining that. Yeah. I thought it was just done really well, and it was really interesting to watch. 
Agreed. Agreed. A huge fan. Obviously, I brought it up earlier as well. The narrative storytelling, the way they thread things together. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm not going to argue. Love it. All right. Final decisions. Okay. Let me go first. All right. This movie's a hard watch. It, it really is. Um, you're going to experience a lot of highs, uh, but even more lows. And I think that's purposeful. The problem is, it's one of those movies that I think majority of people are satisfied just watching once. It's not something that you need to revisit unless you're a big movie fan and you really want to just see something well made. And that's just, that's a tough sell. Personally, I can watch this movie because of how well it's made, how gorgeous technically and well acted this movie is. So for me, it holds up, but it's not as clear cut as I thought going into the movie. Before watching it for this pod, I was like, I'm just going to, this movie's going to hold up. Like, why are we, who cares? Yeah. And then I watched it and I was like, hmm, maybe it's, maybe it doesn't. Maybe people watching it for the first time in 2023 or, you know, 2030 or 2040 as time goes on won't be as connected to this movie as people who saw it in 2008, 2009 were. And so it does hold up, but it's not as much as you think. And just to wrap up, bring it all back around full circle, if I was rating this movie, 84 84 percent i don't think i can get into the 90s but i don't think i can go lower than 80 either so i think like a mid 80s probably the best number for this movie you're up what do you got uh as someone who is watching it for the first time in 2023 it holds up it's a very interesting story it's wonderfully told wonderfully acted everything about this movie works it is a very hard movie to sit through but is it one that i'd watch again yeah is it one that i think more people should watch yeah i think this movie holds up really well so i i give it a definite holds up okay i don't know if that i'd give it a 90 percent, but i think it holds up yeah wow okay that's shocking as somebody who saw it when it initially came out i think it doesn't hold it's not like a clear cut holds up but you, as somebody who's watching it for the first time ever, 15 years later, says it's a it's a for sure holds up. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's why this podcast exists. Because you can get both people who've seen it before and people watching it for the first time. That's incredible. Then that's it. Any last thoughts you have on Slumdog Millionaire? I almost said who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that? Here. Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on the movie and or that game show? <laughs> uh, thoughts on that game show? I'm kind of glad it's not a really a thing anymore and uh about slumdog millionaire go watch it it is streaming on hbo max yes currently so you can definitely check it out and in the meantime keep watching movies bye